Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran former law enforcement officer and founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, let me know in chat. I see we have some folks in chat. Let me know what you think. By the way, chat is open. Fire it up. Let's, let's get this thing going here. I am kind of fired up. I don't know why. Uh, I have really not that much of an idea what I'm going to talk about today. Normally, I have some kind of idea today. I just plain don't. So uh, it could go anywhere and it could do anything. Who knows? We're working on some very, very special guests for the show. Um, I think you're going to be blown away, blown away. And the fact of the matter is they're huge. They're huge. And we're just talking to lawyers and this and that to try to make sure that we don't harm these people uh, in speaking. And uh, but this would these are these are going to be pivotal, pivotal uh, interviews. So uh, our our largest one I will point you towards an interview. By the way, this is the Ninja Pastor, Doctor Sean Michael Greener, the Good Reverend. Uh, I am uh, not so good. I'm not so good, really. Let's be honest. Um, <clears throat> I am a jacked up dude. All that said to say this, that um, our our biggest audience thus far, uh, both in, well, not not in live, not in the live, but in the uh, archives, just the archives alone accounts for the highest number of folks that we've ever had download our programs. And uh, so we, we really... All right, we'll dial it back here on the microphone. We got our our gain is a little high, so let's see how that is. I've just adjusted it, so uh, hopefully that will be better. All that said, to say this: that the highest number uh, of anyone ever listening to this show uh, was the interview, and I encourage you to to go download it uh, when you're finished with this show, or if you're on a, I think if you're on a, I don't know if you could do both, but uh, I have to tell you that the interview with Mr. Ed Snipes, what a wonderful man. Uh, just an absolute uh, wonderful, wonderful man. I think you're going to find that very revealing. And uh, because of that interview, ironically, uh, these interviews that we're working on to be able to do uh, came about. So uh, I just want to encourage you to go. If you've never listened to that, if the, the Lavoie Finicum, if you don't know what happened there with Ammon Bundy and now Cliven Bundy has been arrested, you know, if he's convicted on the federal charges that they've levied against him, um, 
he'll be in jail for 43 years. In other words, he'll he'll die in jail. So let me just say this, you know, if you want to know what the real deal is, go to theninjapastor.com. Go to the blog, and, and all of our different shows will be announced there. And there's always links and different things. You can go there um, and find everything that you need. Honestly, and they're, they're free. They're absolutely free. So I'd encourage you to do that. Anyway, well, if you haven't been living under a rock, you know that there's a whole lot of stuff going on in this country. And to be real honest, as I said, I have no idea what exactly I'm going to talk about today. I don't even know if I have two hours worth of material, to tell you the truth. Who knows? Uh, and you really don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. I don't even know. So, But what I do know is it'll be truth. And it will be powerful, and it might just be important to you. So here we are. The very worst has happened. The sage of the court, as he's called, Justice Antonin Scalia, has left this earth for his heavenly home with the Lord. He believed in him his whole life, very faithfully. Uh, some of the people that I know that he knows uh, said that he would sometimes go to Mass five days a week. I mean, he was he was a very, very devout Roman Catholic, very involved, uh, an incredible jurist. So you're going to learn a little bit about him today. Uh, I thought it might be important for you to learn a little bit about the, the guy's ranch that he was uh, – where he was, his last place where he was on the earth. And uh, I thought, I think you're going to find that to be really worth it. I think you're going to find that worth it. So the sage went home to his, his reward, to heaven. And that's great for him. And it's going to be great for all of us who believe, but it's not wonderful for us here and now in this country. And I'll tell you why. Because a true conservative voice of the Supreme Court of the United States of America has been silenced with the death of Justice Scalia, the lone, true, originalist adherent to the Constitution, quieted in death. And I'll tell you what, we citizens right now, we're seriously in peril. I'm going to explain to you why. Uh, look, folks, you need, a, you need to understand this is serious business. I am also going to I'm, I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I don't know, maybe maybe dispel some of this stuff that's going around. I, a lot of the stuff that's happening, I, I'm uncomfortable with. I am. I'm uncomfortable with it. I, you know, uh, I have some really good friends who are, you know, super, super sharp people. They're very well known. They're they're extraordinary people. Let let's just call it what it is. Extraordinary people. And those people, um I, I've had conversation after conversation. Now they're they are they're conservatives and some of them really work in a, a predominantly liberal uh, career. And as such, they really, really, really are among the enemy all the time. And we're close, you know. We're, we all kind of we all kind of gather together and and cheer each other on and encourage one another. Uh, because again, if you're in a if you're in a predominant if, if you're in an industry that's predominated by liberals, you're really, really super. You're going to be super lonely there. 
And but even this tight knit group, though, I man, it's a small group. But even this tight knit group is really struggling because some in the group are pro Trump, some in the group are pro Cruz. I don't know who some of the others are in because it seems like the Trump and Cruz crowd is, is the loudest among them. But I have to tell you, uh, and, and this is, you know, I think important. I have to tell you, it's it's really, really super important to grasp the gravity, the absolute gravity of this election. Absolutely. It's critical that you get it. Uh, I'm still seeing, and I'm frustrated by this, and, and if you go back and you listen to um, – if you go back to uh, some of the old the, the archive shows, not old shows, but archive shows on the ninjapastor.com, you can find them in the blog section. If you go to those, you're going to find where, where I talk about all of this stuff. I mean, I, I go into great detail. And one of the shows that I do, you're going to find that I that I admonish the conservatives out there. Look, this whole business about, you know, well, you know, if you send me a stinker, I'm I'm going home. And some people, I've even seen people now like, I can't vote for anybody. I haven't decided yet. Well, you got to get aggressive, uh, quite frankly. You got to get aggressive about um, your research. You really do. You have to get aggressive about your research. It's It's just critical that you do that. Because you need to have made up your mind by now, quite frankly. Now, you might say, yeah, but what if something happens? During the course of the uh, debates or or whatever, you know, and then and then what? Well, I think you've seen enough, and I think because of the internet, you have uh, access to enough information. You should be pretty close to your decision at this point. But the bottom line is, is and you guys know, I did I did a show where I, um, yeah, or you may have a liberal family. Thank you, Jerry from PA. <laughs> I have the best listeners, don't I? Um, so you know. Look, the, the the ultimate thing here is, and the thing that you have to really, really, really get and drill down on very, very deeply is this. We don't have that option. I talked about this in great length. NinjaPastor.com, you go to the, the NinjaPastor.com, you go to the blog section, you'll see, you can pull up the show, and it'll it, it, the archive is there. It's all free. Nobody's going to charge you. Nobody's going to steal your data. Um. You you will hear me talk about this, and, and it's just this time is different. People say, look, if we keep voting for stinkers every time. Now, first of all, this time, I think we have um, – I, I think we have one of the best um, – we've got a bevy of, of, of really good candidates – Seriously, we look. You can go. Oh no way! You you can say you can say whatever you want. Look, you can say this is America. That's what's cool. You really can. You, you can say what you want. That's you know. You can believe what you want. You can be wrong. Wrong is all get out. But you can believe what you want. That's how America is. This is how it works. But it comes down to this. You know, if you're one of those people that says. Hey, you know, uh, I'm just going to stay at home because I'm mad, and I just don't feel like. I just don't feel. You know what? I'm I'm not going to vote. I, I'm going to vote third party. I'm going to vote for Gary, whatever his name is. 
You know, we just got to do it. It's got to happen. And look, I respect you. I respect how you are. I know there's a bunch of people saying, well, Ted Cruz isn't eligible. All this blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Cool. You know, do your thing. But look, if Ted Cruz is a nominee and you, out of principle, your alleged principle, stay home. Folks, I have newsflash for you. It's over. It's over for this country. Anyway, I'm not going to – I'll probably talk about it again in this show because I get so mad I can't, I can't stand it. But you've just, you just really need to understand the deal here. This is it. This is the last shot we get. You might say, yeah, well, we, you know, we elected to Congress, and Congress, uh, you know, they really let us down. We, ha- we have a, we have a, um, a majority in Congress. And in one of my shows you listen to, theninjapastor.com, you can hear where I say, a majority of what? The thing is, they're not afraid of us, folks. They're not afraid of us. So you say, well, who are you talking about? They. It. Whether they're conservative or they're or they're liberal, or they're pretending to be conservative, they're actually liberal. I, I don't know, whoever, you know, whoever's in these elected positions. You need to understand this, folks. You need to understand that that no matter who they are, no matter what, you know, who they're pretending to be, they, they, do, what they, they do what they want to do because they, they're not afraid of us. They don't believe we're going to do what we say we're going to do, so they don't do what they say they're going to do. And that's that. I mean, that's just the bottom line, folks. Honestly, it's the bottom line. And and at some point or another, folks just have to accept this reality. So the onus is on us as Americans, as true Americans, as people who believe in self-governance. I'm going to give you some information on the Center for Self-Governance here in a little bit. You know, you need to understand self-governance, but in order to understand self-governance, you need to understand how things work, really. Not how things are done in Washington, because that's not necessarily how things are set up to work. Do you see what I'm saying here? Do you see what I'm saying? They're words, and I'm asking you if you see them. Are you hearing me? Thank you to my son, Doyle, for making me this awesome drink. It is awesome. Love it. That boy, I tell you what, that boy is becoming a phenomenal cook. Making all kinds of stuff. He he made us some kind of uh I don't even know what you call it. It's it's kind of like a a sort of a, a Asian dish, but it has a little hot sauce in it. it. Had rice and all kinds of good stuff in it and chicken. He made it all himself from scratch. Fantastic. He made fajitas one night. Cut Lance. You know? Just awesome. So thank you for the drink. I, right before the show, I realized, oh, I don't have a drink. It's not good. Look, I wish it was different, folks. I wish it was different. I wish that we didn't have to get in the face of our elected officials. But you know what? We do. We have to get in the face of our officials. It, it, it's reality. If we don't do it, folks, it, we're done. We're doomed. And the the Center for Self Governance. One of the things that um, that you just need to understand about that is yes, it's going to cost you a little bit of money, and yes, it's going to cost you a little bit of time. But you know what? We're at the point now where if we don't do this, we are totally, totally and completely screwed. 
We're in such deep trouble. I'm I'm telling you, well, the pastor said screwed. Come on. If you're more upset about me saying screwed, and by the way, it, it's not a sexual reference. The origin, the etymology of that word or that expression has nothing to do with sex. The thing is, you need to understand. You you need to understand something very important here. We as a country, by the way, uh, let me say this. Let me interrupt myself. Last week I, I did the uh, I did the show from a remote location. Uh, my buddy Jerry from Pennsylvania and uh, Joe, we we uh, we had to do the show. He and I went to celebrate our Second Amendment and our freedom, whatever we have remaining. We went to the Pennsylvania Great Outdoor uh, Show. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying the name right, but it was it was last week. We had a lot of fun. And it, it snowed last week, too. So we had a great time. I went, and uh, how we always do every year is I spend the night there. And, and uh, now it, uh, Joe has gotten me hooked on Downton Abbey. You guys ever hear of that show on, on public television? It's, it's, this is the last year. So uh, my son got me Apple TV. So we're, we're going in. We're doing all this. Uh, we're watch, we watch from – I've binge watching. I'm telling you, i got it bad. I love excellent acting and all the beautiful costumes and the historical things. It's just awesome. Anyway, so we were there. And then we go and we celebrate our freedom at the outdoor show the next day. We eat some good man breakfast and go and do our thing. It was just a total blast. Just a total blast. It's interesting to me. You, you walk around, you see all these people. They're They're... Many of them are obviously concealed carry permit holders, and they're carrying. Nobody's afraid. Nobody's nervous. Nobody's freaking out. Uh, there are no um, shrinking violets, let's say. There's no shrinking violets here. At this show, there's probably thousands of people there. There's hunters, there's trappers, there's fishermen. And fisherwomen, and you know, I mean, look, this is this is the the demographic is is diverse. But the crazy thing is, the assumption is, is because we're you know we, we're not afraid to speak our mind, that it's going to hold true that somehow or another, at some magical point in time, we're going to have had enough, and we're gonna we're gonna snap, and we're gonna say that's it, we're done. You're gonna do what we tell you to do. You're gonna do what's constitutional, or or we're taking you out of office by hook or by crook. You're out of here. Folks, that time's not happening. You've got a guy named Lavoy Fenicum who gave his life. He gave his life. He gave his life for, for the Constitution, for freedom and liberty, for what's right, for states' rights, for, for personal property rights. You've got Ammon and Ryan Bundy locked up. You've got a bunch of others locked up. Cliven Bundy locked up. The federal government has locked people down, and, and it just you know they're not even allowing them to talk to anybody. It's it's ridiculous. Well, the the thought is is that hey, you know what? We are going to rise up. We're going to rise up at some secret point. You know, when we've had enough, we're going to rise up. Really? Because I don't think that really is going to happen. Because you know what? 
I've said this before. I'll say it again. Lavoy Finnicum would be on this earth today, healthy and wise and, and good, and still fighting for freedom. If instead of a few people with him, he had thousands of people, thousands of Americans who said, hey, you know what? I've educated myself on the facts. I've listened to the collision of faith and politics with the ninja pastor. I know what's really going on, and here we are. We're right here with you. Go ahead and let them pull us over. Go ahead and let them do a. We outnumber them. We should outnumber them always. But we didn't. So this whole notion, this fairy tale, that suddenly, out of nowhere, we are we are going to rise up. We're going to be effective. We're going to we're going to be united. We're going to be a team, an unshakable team, mutually pledged. There's this thought that we're just suddenly going to do that. We're going to pop out of nowhere and bing. Oh, yeah, here we go. We're going to do it. Now's the time. No, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Why? Because conservatives are constantly fighting. The left never really fights out loud among itself. I mean, look, they're running. <laughs> they're running two crazy people. They're running one woman's about to be indicted if our if our FBI gets some cojones and, and, and really fights back against Loretta Lynch, the Attorney General of the United States of America. Who's about to be look, Hillary Clinton's about to be indicted. The, just the information that's been released thus far, there's enough to convict her and not just put her in jail for the rest of her life, but to put her to death. Do you understand that? By the way, the feds, I've said this uh, in other interviews I've done all across the country. I've said this uh, different ones. I don't know that I've said it on my own show, which I don't know why I wouldn't, but uh, I haven't yet, I don't think. But do you understand that the delay in the charge sheet for Ammon Bundy and Ryan Bundy and the others that were arrested, you understand that the delay there is they're trying to use a federal statute that indicates if a person dies, no matter who that is, in the course of your crime for which you are accused, if a person dies in that, in other words, Lavoy Finnicum died, that you can you can be charged with a death penalty eligible crime that you can be held responsible for their death folks very close to this are telling me and i have sources in all kinds of places very good sources that that tell me this is what the delay is this is what the delay is Folks, do you understand what I'm saying here? Do you do you am I am I resonating here with you? Uh, you know, I talk about Hillary Clinton, and you know she should she should be in jail, she should be prosecuted, and, and then you know the 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 most strict penalty available should be put upon her. But the other guy, the other guy, if it weren't for his government jobs, he'd be homeless. He'd never even have he. He's never had a W-2 job. He's never had to report for work. Do 
Do you understand that? Do you understand that? He's never had to go to work. He's never had to earn a job. He's only been on the public dole. Do you know in 25 years of being in he's never in his entire time, he doesn't have a single piece of legislation with his name on it. Not a single. Come on, folks. It's egregious to me that in this day and age, they have the nerve. To put a known avowed socialist up for their, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And folks, these people that are wanting to vote for, for them, come on, let's not be ridiculous. They're dumb as a box of rocks. They're just a bunch of young punk kids and adults that are stupid. And they're like, well, yeah, I like what he's saying. I think college should be free for everybody. It's it's a right. It's in the Constitution. Idiots. They're just stupid. Unfortunately, they can vote. Unfortunately, they can vote. Before I get into the um, – I want to just give you some information about Antonin Scalia – what an amazing man. And, and some information about where he was found and what that was all about. I, I, I do want to at least say a couple of things about the Republican debate. Now, I use the term debate. I, I just don't think that's the right word because that's not what's happening now. That's not what's happening Have you ever heard the term clickbait? I used to write for a, a very popular blog, very briefly, briefly, and, and it's not. I left them; they didn't leave me. I left them, and it was. And the thing that I struggled with was clickbait. Constantly with the, you know, you you write you write a little brief article and you cite other articles and different things, something that's going on, something that's a big deal, and then what you do is you. Uh, you create some sort of uh, saucy title, and it's really just clickbait. That's what they call it. It's clickbait. And all you want, because these sites are their their uh, their income is derived from the number of clicks on the site, the number of clicks that click through to the advertisers, things like that. So if you can demonstrate, look, we have a million people a day. Click on our website. Well, that's how you get them to click on your website, and that's how the people get to be paid. I'm sorry to give the big secret. I'm not a. I don't get any of that from my blog, by the way. If you want to, if you want to contribute to what we do here, uh, I cover all the cost of it, and I have some generous, very nice, sweet people at Mike Halal that help me with it. But the fact of the matter is, is, is we do this all on our own dime. And if you want to contribute to that, there's a donate page on theninjapasture.com. All that said, to say this, I don't get paid for clicks and all that stuff. And I'm not necessarily against it. I'm really not. I'm not against it. I have friends of mine that are in the radio business, and they're and they very successful. They make very good money. They have a much smaller audience than uh, apparently I have, but they've really monetized it very well. I'm not against that at all. I'm not against that at all, for real. But this clickbait thing, you know, what that is is, is you click on something thinking it's one thing, and it turns out it's another. 
And I don't like it. I think it's dishonest. I think it's salacious. Um, it, it, it's it's low class. For real. It's low class. And I'm just not a fan of it. Just not a fan. So, how that, you say, what does a clickbait have to do? with with all this. Well, this is where this is where it comes into play. The Republican debate is nothing more than televised clickbait. All it is is an advertising thing. And now that Donald Trump is in the is in the the mix, you know, he brings millions of viewers just cuz he's Donald Trump. The man has a very successful television show, extremely successful. You can you can debate his success as a as a as a an economic entity all you want. The facts are what they are. Well, he's declared bankruptcy four times. Well, he didn't declare bankruptcy, but companies that he owned did, or companies that he was buying, they used bankruptcy as. A, and look, I, I'm no bigger fan of it than anybody else. But the fact of the matter is, is to claim some sort of uh, righteous indignation. It, it's stupid. It's stupid. You, then you don't know how it works because most businesses that are his size, I mean, he owns all these companies. I mean, just a whole sheets, sheets and sheets of big companies. Companies smaller than him have declared far more bankruptcies than he has. I'm not defending the guy, but I really, 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 really I'm sick and tired of the BS, the bovine feces that gets slung about by so many people on the right and the left. It's just simply not true. Stuff that people say is just not true. It's dumb. It's dumb. But you have in these debates, you have this this back and forth crap that goes back and forth that the only reason these questions are being asked to the people that they are, how they are being asked, by the people that they're being asked, is to gain share. Viewer share. Numbers. Ratings. That's just simply the bottom line. It's it's ratings. It's not to inform us. It's not to provide us with some level of uh, of uh, understanding that we wouldn't gain otherwise. Can you glean from that? There are some things you can glean from it, and, and this is this is a very uh, this is a very uh, important thing. I think that there's some value in this. But when people are put under pressure, how do they act? There's no bigger pressure job than the job of president of the United States. There's no bigger, there's no, no bigger, uh, more powerful, critical pressure cooker than that job. And none. There's none. They figure that the president for every year that he is a president, he ages five years. 
That's 20 years. In four years, that's 20 years of aging in four-year term. You can see it in their photographs. It's, it's a tough job. Barack Hussein Obama, it's not as tough for him because he, he, uh, he attenuates all of that stress by playing golf about a million times, on your dime, I might add, and going for $16 million vacations all the time, on your dime, I might add. But I want to see how they act. I want to see what they do. Show me what they do. Show me how they act. Give me give me the opportunity to put them under the pressure cooker. And I and, and I want to see that. I want to watch it happen. The thing that worries me about Donald Trump is that every time he gets pressed, he just becomes a jerk. And, but then again, there's so many people that are, are polling for him that they say, hey, you know what? I don't care. It's bad. It's so bad now. We need somebody to be a jerk. We need somebody to say, hey, you know what? Screw you. I don't care anymore. I don't care about the, you know, the, the, the conventional wisdom, I don't care about the political way, I don't care about any of that stuff. I want a guy who's going to get in there and fight. I don't care if he fights dirty. It's time somebody fight, fought dirty. But you know what? <laughs> that guy gets under pressure, man. I don't like it. I don't like what I see. Don't like what I see. Ted Cruz, on the other hand, I do. You put him under pressure, I like it better. The guy, the guy has been killing it his whole life. Anyhow, all that said to say this, look, they do show us some things. They show the people under pressure. They see how they're going to answer. You know, Rubio has apparently recovered from his, you know, stuck. The, 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 the younger people listening to the show won't even know what I'm referencing here. But the, uh, the needle got stuck. He just kept repeating the same talking point over and over. And, and I'll tell you the truth. Christie was, was smart to call him out, although it didn't help him at all. You know, he just says the same thing over and over and over. But then again, that's what's called talking points, and that's essentially clickbait. And if the guy says the same thing over and over and over, you know what? He's one of two things. Either he doesn't, he's an empty suit, he's just repeating stuff that he's memorized, or he believes what he's saying. I believe that what, by the way, what Rubio was saying uh, was was true, and I think you will too. I think you will too. I, I think Rubio, it cannot be said truthfully that he doesn't believe what he was saying. Look, the president knows what he's doing. He's not making a mistake. He's not in error. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's doing it on purpose. And And I'm glad that Rubio has stood up and said, look, you know what? guy's doing this on purpose. He's trying to wreck the country. He's trying to tear it all down and then rebuild it the way the, the ultra left want to do it. Oh, and by the way, everywhere where that's been done, everywhere where that's been done, it's failed. So you say, Ninja Pastor, what are we going to do here, Dr. Sean? What are we going to do? So what can we do? You know, the, the, the networks, they do the darn 
debates and, and what in the world, you know? Come on. First of all, let me say this, by the way. Any primary where you can change your affiliation or you can actually be a Democrat and vote in the Republican primary, that's stupid, folks. That's how it is in New Hampshire. That's stupid. Come on. And why the, why the conservatives have ever allowed that to happen, I, I can't answer that. But I can tell you this, it's stupid. It's the dumbest thing I think I have ever seen in my life. Because what's going to happen? The left is all going to vote for the guy that they think they can beat. The one they believe they can beat. That's you know, don't fall for this crap. Oh, you know who we're really scared of? We're really a scared uh, to run against. Uh, we're we're really a scared to run against uh, Chris Christie or Marco Rubio. We we really are a scared of that guy. Ted Cruz. No, we're not afraid of him. Oh, I, I hope. I hope. I hope that he's the nominee. We'll kick his butt. You folks, you can't believe that. You fall for that shtick every time. <laughs> every time. Look, you, look, we can't, we can't keep falling for stuff. Remember this Elizabeth Warren? Remember her? She, she pretended to be Native American. If, I, by the way, if I was Native American. I, I would lose my mind. I would be apoplectic right now. And yes, that is one of my favorite words. I would. I'd be apoplectic. I, you know, this woman, Elizabeth, not to switch gears, but yes, to switch gears. Elizabeth Warren makes, she, she gets her salary that she makes from being a public official, an elected official. But she gets four hundred grand a year for teaching one class at Harvard University. One class. And what she do? She spends all of her time complaining about the high cost of college and student debt. She lives, somebody told me she lives in a $10 million mansion. Now, I'm not against her being rich, but how's this woman complaining, this white woman who pretends to be Native American, how is she complaining about high cost of college and student debt and how the man is keeping her down? She's the man. You mark my words, Hillary Clinton gets the Knicks. You're going to be seeing a lot more of Elizabeth Warren. Because as crazy as this lying loon is, <laughs> she's electable from the left standpoint. Here's the thing. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but at some point or another, how we affect these uh, – I don't know who's doing the next debate, by the way. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is. I think the most recent one was um, CBS. If you want it to be substantive, you need to get on the horn. You need to flood their Twitter feed. You need to t flood their Facebook. You need to flood their LinkedIn. You need to flood their phone lines. You need to mail them letters. You need to just say, look, you know, we don't want any of this gotcha crap. We want to know where they stand, and, and we want them to stand behind what they s say, and, and we want them to, to articulate them a little bit. A lot of people are saying, well, Donald Trump, he doesn't give any specifics. Nobody really does. That's why they quote their website. It's stupid to spend your time going into a bunch of detail when it doesn't matter to people anyway. It's that quick soundbite. Got to get it out there because you've got 30 seconds. I don't know how you I've, – I've debated. I've been a, a debater, and it's very difficult. It's a very challenging environment. You've got 30 seconds to a minute. You've got to get your stuff out there quick, and you can't spend a whole bunch of time. Well, let me explain to you. This is why Dr. Carson has not done well. Nice man. He has my book. I have a picture of him with my book. He, 
And it's not one of those fake ones where you walk up, you hand the book, somebody takes a picture. You're shaking his hand. Oh, he's blah, blah, blah. You know, come on. He has my book. We were actually uh, working through. He was going to write a um, a dear friend of mine actually gave him my book. And uh, and then I had communicated with his office and he said, yeah, I'd be you know, he's going to write chapter two. Really nice. Super, super nice guy. Super, super nice guy. Very smart guy. But one of the things that trips him up is is that he tries to go into these details. He's he's kind of slower in his delivery because he's not a politician. He's very methodical. For Pete's sake, he's one of the world's greatest uh, neurosurgeons. They don't blurt stuff out. You know what I mean? And you know what? If I've I've got a guy working on my brain, I don't want him blurting stuff out. I want him to be thoughtful. All that said to say this, you know, you can't just give a, a bunch of detail. You can't go drill down deep. First of all, you don't want to give up to your competition, what you don't want to give them, you don't want to arm them. You don't want to give them ammunition against you, because that's what they they listen at this level. They pay people to listen to everything you do. Opposition research. But the presser today, my my good friend in New York, a uh, former native of my state, uh, you know, he he points out today that his presser, Donald Trump's presser today, was excellent. Specifics, grounded, concise. Guy's not a dumb guy. He knows when he can control it. And I'll tell you what else. My buddy Jerry, uh, it just brought something up that really was annoying. You, you have all these people in the audience that really this is purchased. They purchased the opportunity to be there. And and the Republicans' uh, senatorial committee, they get a, a certain number of tickets, and they dole them out. And what, what, who, who do they fill the audience with? They fill it with people who are going to cheer for who they want to win. But all this booing and cheering and all this stuff, come on, shut up already. Just, just let's, get to the, let's get to the point here. Let's get to the point. So if you want to change how these debates are, then get on somebody's case. Not once, not twice, a thousand times. Do it every day until they change. Them a letter and they didn't change. They did it the same way. The same way. They did it the same way. I wrote one letter. And they didn't change. My goodness me. I'm just going to take my toys and go home. You got to do it until. Can't do it once and say it didn't happen. You got to do it until. Until they listen and change. You say it's impossible. It won't happen. No, you haven't tried. You haven't tried. I'm telling you, that's what they respond to. Just like your politicians, that's what they respond to. And until we start doing that, seriously, hardcore, they won't change. Question is, are are you in for the long haul? Or are you going to quit? And you know what? You got to use the right language. Can't use the language of captivity. You got to use the language of liberty. Learn more about that. Listen here. Give, a, give just give a give a real quick listen to this, and uh, I think you can learn a little bit something, a little bit of something here. Give this a listen. We will be back with Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, after these short messages. 
Hey, happy warriors. This is the Ninja Pastor here. Listen, keepers of the republic, people who care about the future of this country, if that's you, and you're not the you that just wants to talk about it, just do Facebook posts, just do Twitter, but, I mean, you really want to do something. You really want to make a difference. You're called a keeper of the republic. Our founders clearly detailed that we, the people, would keep our republic if we participated in our own governance. Self-governance, let me tell you what, requires education, participation, sacrifice, and determination in the belief that you can make a difference. Look, you got to do something, but what is something? As I said, Facebook posts, they won't save the republic. Neither will rallies or voter drives. It goes way deeper. And if you truly want to do something of value that is also effective, the question is, are you willing? Listen, you can go to centerforselfgovernance.com or you can go to facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. There's a link there uh, for the Center of Self-Governance. All you do is click there. While you're there at facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio, click on like and sign up. And you'll have all these links uh, immediately available to you, super, super easy. And I can help arrange courses for you in the Northeast and elsewhere. you got to do it. You say, i got to do something. I want to do something. This is the something. This is the something really big. This is the secret sauce. you got to ask yourself some tough questions. Do you really have what it takes? Do you really have what it takes to help save this country? Do you really want to save the country? Have you given up already? Then here's the really, really tough question. Am I worth the blood and treasure already sacrificed for liberty and freedom? Am I worth the acres of crosses in Arlington, Virginia and towns across America? Soldiers who gave everything, committed everything to our freedom. How do you do it? Go to my Facebook page, facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio, and then click on the link to this, Center for Self-Governance. It'll be right there. You want to do something? This is your something. Well, there you have it. People always, people always, 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 always say to me, well, you know, gosh, I don't know what to do. You can't win. You don't know. You got to use the language of liberty. You got to know the right way. You got to, you got to go about it the right way, folks. You got to go about it the right way. Because honestly, until you do, It's it's all lost until you do that. You're just spinning your wheels. You're just spinning your wheels. You got to know how to do it. You got to know how to do it. Until you know how to do it, until you know the language of liberty, nothing's changing, you know. Nothing at all is changing. One of the uh, one of the other things you can do is really and truly, uh, and this is frustrating for me, um, because quite honestly, people all across America, and I know we have people that listen all around the world, and I'm not trying to to uh, marginalize you. I, I I want you to know that you're important to us too as an audience. And quite frankly, I'm I'm very very honored, very very honored that you would be willing to take the time to listen and all the downloads that come from other places in the world. I absolutely love it. I really, really do. But, you know, come on. Let's let's just be let's just be real here. <laughs> this country is burning. I and I'm not talking about feeling the burn of Bernie Sanders. I'm talking about we're burning. 
we're on fire and, and the press and all these different things, they're leading us to believe that we, we aren't, but we are. And it's a real problem. Because we're getting entertained to death. Listen, there's a, there's a movement here in the state of Delaware, too, that you could become part of. It's called the Pastors and Leaders Summit. It's March 17th of this year. It's 8.30 to 12.30, 8.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. It's at Dover Downs at the Rollins Center. And it's a private event. It's for pastors and influencers throughout Delaware, the state of Delaware, who committed to rebuilding a culture that values human dignity, marriage, family, and religious liberty, and effectively engaging the culture while advancing the gospel in Delaware. And it's, it's, it's really a very important thing. I'm going to be sponsoring a table there. I haven't signed up for it yet, but contact me through uh, the website, theninjapastor.com, through the Contact Me page. If you'd like to be one of the people, there's only t- 10 spots total, so there's nine spots there. Uh, I think I'm going to be taking my son, so there's really only, because he's going to be helping me. I'll be signing books there. Um, so there's eight spots, really, that we're going to be sharing. It get, you know, get, a, get in touch with me through there. If you're a person who says, hey, look, I'd like to, I'd like to come alongside and and be a part of that, then get a hold of us through the website, or if you know my text message number or my uh, private message on Facebook, you're one of my friends or followers, get a hold of us and let us know. And the first eight uh, that can, that are willing to contribute to do a little something toward that, uh, we would love to have you uh, come sit with us and have breakfast. And and really, uh, Tony Perkins is going to be the speaker, the keynote speaker. Pretty intense. The doors open at 8 a.m. Breakfast begins at 8 a.m. We'll meet uh, it's there in Dover, Delaware. It's super easy to get to at the Rollins Center there. But you can't go unless you're with me or you have a ticket. If you can't do that, it's not going to happen. Um, you can go and stand around and say, but, 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 you know, they, they won't care. It's, it's a high security event, as you might imagine. So get a hold of us. That's, that is going to be phenomenal. I've been, I think, to every one uh, – I think I even the year of my crash in 2012, I think I was there. So I'm, I'm really, um, really eager, eager to go this year. It's an important year. That's March 17th, 8.30 a.m. to 12.30, uh, just a little bit afternoon. So get a hold of us, and that'll, that'll be awesome. We'd be a big fan of that. So Antonin Scalia, Antonin Scalia, really, uh, I don't know how much you know, and you're right, you're right, Jerry from Pennsylvania. It's a, a great venue. Well, we have a caller. Okay, let me just say this. Caller, if you are crude or in any way, uh, you, you know, you're up to something, you get ejected, you get blocked, I hunt you down, you don't want it. So uh, I'm going to click on you, and if you're ignorant, you go fast. Welcome to the Collision of Faith and Politics. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hello, my name is Joey from New York. Uh, kind of funny how... Uh, you can't really accept dissenting opinion because you're probably wrong. But anyways, um, quick question, sir. Um, where did you attend uh, college, or do you have a degree in anything? <laughs> you can go to my page and get all that. I'm not quite sure why you're wasting the audience's time with uh, that. I'm, I'm, I just want to know. Okie dokie. Anyway, that's how it works here. I run it. And if you're ignorant or you're stupid or you're, you know, whatever you're up to, trolls, whatever, then I got no time for you. So Antonin Scalia, 
he uh, died as a Supreme Court justice. He was a lawyer from 1930. Well, he's born 1936, and he died 2016. He's a Supreme Supreme Court justice. He's a lawyer now. By the way, he he's still when he died, he was a valid, admitted to the bar attorney, unlike Barack Hussein and Michelle Obama. <laughs> you get that? President of the United States and First Lady, both you know, vaunted lawyers uh, allegedly. But they can't practice law. They can't practice law. By the way, if you want to know, uh, my seminary degrees are from, my doctorate is from masters, um, mdivs.edu, mdivs.edu. Go there. You can even call the president. Tell him you know me. His name is Dr. Dennis Fry. He'll re- he'll remember who I am. There's also uh, graduation photos. I addressed the graduating class when I received my doctorate. So you can look at all that stuff there, and it'll be fun. I've got a published book, Collision of Faith and Politics. Uh, you know, host has a book called Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. My bio is there. If you go to theninjapastor.com, my bio is there. All that stuff is there. Look at all that. And my pedigree is nowhere near this guy. Good lands. Antonin Scalia. My goodness. He was born March 11th, 1936. So he was just barely into his... He was almost 80. Barely finished his his, uh, 79th year. And he died February 13th, day before Valentine's Day. By the way... Uh, the collision of faith and politics, uh, and myself personally and professionally, I want to offer my deepest condolences to the O'Donnell family on the loss of their dear, dear sweet mother. Boy, did I like that lady. She was a sweet, sweet lady, a valiant battle uh, against cancer. And folks, there's a there's a young lady, uh, Christine O'Donnell. My goodness. Ridiculous. Ridiculous what has been done to this woman because she dared stand up against the system, against the establishment. Really, really sickening. And you know they're doing it because they can they can get away with it. You understand that, right? They're doing it because they can get away. That That's the only reason. They're abusing her because they want to silence her so that she can never speak again. And they've done everything they can to do it. Many, many illegal things. Just, It's just terrible. Absolutely terrible. Okay, there we go. We're, we're back with you. I'm not, I'm not at all positive what happened. Um, it just totally disconnected us. We don't know why. So a weird situation. Uh, let's see here. Again, it's it's always with this blog talk radio. It's just an absolute abomination sometimes. So those of you who are still in chat, if you could just uh, if you could just let me know you're still there because I don't want to be talking to dead air. And uh, it just makes me mad. I get so mad when stuff doesn't work. Silly. I see there's people typing, so there's so we're still here. Uh, I'm not sure what happened. It just I don't know. You guys, I don't know if you could hear it on your end, but. And I apologize if you could, but then I get all this thing in my ear saying, it's apparent that you've disconnected. So we'll dial you back in to a live show. 
So I don't know how much anybody missed or anything like that, but yeah. So he graduated, Antonin Scalia graduated from Harvard Law School, uh, Georgetown University. It just really, by the way, he's from Trenton, New Jersey originally. And where he died was, uh, uh, the city's name, ironically, is Shafter, Texas. His full name is Antonin Gregory Scalia. And he was best known as an associate justice for the United States Supreme Court. And he was appointed in 1986 by Ronald Reagan. I want you to understand something very important here. And this is really, really important to to know. Elections do have consequences. And one of the biggest things, uh, one of the most important things you can ever know is when you vote for a president, you're not only voting for the president. When you vote for a representative in Congress, you're not you're not only voting just for that person. You're voting for whoever they might confirm. You're voting for whoever the president of the United States might might nominate for the Supreme Court, one of the most important places in the land. So Ronald Reagan in 1986 appointed Antonin Scalia. Now, there's a whole lot of stuff going on. There's a whole lot of, I don't know, it's crazy business. There's a whole lot of stuff going on. And and people are saying, well, you know, he was, um, he's just a, you know, he, he was, a, I had gotten a, engaged in a conversation with a guy uh, on a friend of mine's um page there, I think it was yesterday, and he's one of these people, really a, a, a racial hater. I mean, that's it, it, just the, they're perpetually and professionally aggrieved, I call them. And he referred to Scalia as a racist and, peop, you know, he thinks black people are too stupid. They can't go to regular universities. He took everything out of context, which is what they do. But there's a lot of stuff going around about his death. And, and look, we're going to learn more about it if we press, just like Benghazi. You've got to press. If nobody presses, then we're never going to learn. Extortion 17, nobody presses, we're never going to learn if we give up. They're just hoping we give up. That's how it works. Isn't that funny I disconnected while talking about Christine O'Donnell? <laughs> Not to be a conspiracy theorist now. Uh, isn't that something? So there's a lot of stuff going around about the death of Antonin Scalia. And I, I tell you the truth, it, it's a little bit frustrating because people immediately start saying things and, and just assuming things. And then they start, the more something is said or spread around social media, the more people believe it. Well, I saw this. This is all over social media, so it's got to be true. There's got to be something to it. No. Not at all. Not at all. That, just because it circulates and circulates and circulates doesn't mean it's true. So anyway, here's what we know. Uh, Justice, United States Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia, by the way, he was an avid hunter. Avid hunter, avid shooter. He was really into you know, the Second Amendment, and, and, and he was, really, he was a, quite a sportsman. He's from New Jersey, so I don't know, you know when he was growing up if New Jersey was – uh, communistic and, and as anti-gun as it is, you know, you, you want to talk about you want to talk about something that scares me off of of um, Chris Christie. The way that place is with guns, it's ridiculous. 
It's just ridiculous. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. So this is according to an article uh, just read, and I think, um, well, we'll work our way through it. First-time guest to the Cibolo Creek uh, Ranch, United States Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia was animated and engaged during dinner Friday night as one of the three dozen invitees to an event that had nothing to do with law or politics, according to the ranch owner. We're going to talk more about him in a second. It's important you know who he is. Just hours later, he would be found dead of apparent natural causes, which media outlets were reporting Sunday was a heart attack. I don't know how they could know that because no autopsy has been done. We'll talk more about that in a second. It's important we take it step by step. Quoting John Poindexter, the owner of the 30,000-acre luxury ranch, he was seated near me, and I had a chance to observe him. He was very entertaining, but about at 9 p.m., he said, it's been a long day and a long week. I want to get some sleep, recalled Houston businessman John Poindexter, who owns the 30,000-acre luxury ranch. Now, this is in Texas, so, you know, they have huge ranches there. I I don't know if you know. So who is Poindexter, by the way, John Poindexter? All right, this is what's been said about him. He cannot enter a room without straightening. Now, you're going to say to me, what does this have to do with anything? You'll see. He cannot enter a room without straightening nearly every picture on the wall, nor walk by a table without smoothing the linen, nor pass a rug without tugging a corner to flatten a wrinkle. He'll open glass cabinets displaying thousands of arrowheads to reposition three. At one point, he got on his knees to redirect lights on the cabinet's bottom shelves. He apologized while he did this, insisting that he'd stayed at Sobolo so rarely of late that his dedication to the place had been missed. To help his staff in this regard, he constantly jots thoughts onto to-do lists, two to-do lists that he keeps in his left breast pocket, one for immediate needs and one for longer-term projects. You might be saying, let me just interject, you might be saying, well, that sounds a little weird to me right now. He sounds obsessive-compulsive. You know, you show me a billionaire that's not obsessive-compulsive, and I'll... Show you guys it's not a billionaire. Attention to detail. This this is a guy who gets stuff done. You'll see what this guy's about. He begins pressing the pressing needs list each morning when he wakes, no later than 6 a.m., writing observations such as the dog is being fed too much, the leaves are being raked too often, the exterior lights on the fort were ter- turned off too early last night, and so on. He swears he's not a micromanager but a delegator. His employees, many of whom walk by a large watercolor portrait of the boss in Cibolo's main office, should be sufficiently inspired to toe the line after a single pass by the Poindexter to-do list buzzsaw. Now, here's where this gets important. All of this matters. Little things don't mean a lot. They mean everything. Little things don't mean a lot. They mean everything. Very, very important that you realize that. So it goes on to say, but he requires no less of himself. He graduated with honors from the University of Arkansas in two years and eight months. He ran through New York University's MBA program in a whirlwind nine months. Then he earned a Ph.D. in economics and finance from NYU while working as an investment banker on Wall Street. In between degrees... He volunteered for the Army, partly to fulfill family military tradition, but largely to test his mettle. See what he was made of. You know, the really incredible people, they, they, they test themselves to see what they're made of. 
I tested myself academically in scholarship uh, at master's by, you know, working my way through undergrad and grad and postgrad programs and seeing what I was made of. Let me see if I can do it. Let me see how well I can do. That's why I did it. I wanted to know more. This guy puts me to shame. I might as well be in nursery school to test his mettle. He was president of his class at Officer Candidate School. He was an airborne ranger. Rangers lead the way. Thank you to all the rangers listening today. And a captain and a troop commander during a highly decorated tour in Vietnam. So back to the article. When I, I just want you to understand who we're talking about here. This isn't just a guy who owns. There's a lot being circulated about, well, he's a big Obama donor, and isn't that something that he found him, and blah, blah, blah. Look, we're going we're gonna to tackle all these points as we go. When Poindexter tried to awaken Scalia at about 8.30 the next morning, the judge's door was locked and he didn't answer. Well, three hours later, Poindexter returned after an outing with a friend of Scalia who had come from Washington with him. This is what Poindexter says. We discovered the judge in bed, a pillow over his head. His bedclothes were unwrinkled, said Poindexter. He was lying very restfully. He looked like he had not quite awakened from a nap. Scalia, 79, did not have a pulse, and his body was cold. And after consulting with a doctor at a hospital in Alpine, Texas, Poindexter concluded resuscitation would have been futile. He then contacted federal authorities, at first encountering a series of answering services, because he was calling on a weekend. Now, a lot of people... Now, look, I don't know if there's something weird going on here or not. I don't know. But you need to understand where this is. This is almost in Mexico, folks. This is serious South Texas. This is in the wilderness, folks. This is Look, this is on 30... You know how big 30,000 acres is? It's a big joint. It's wilderness. In the middle of wilderness. If you've never been to Texas, if you've never been to Montana, if you've never been to Utah or Idaho, you don't know what it is to just keep riding and riding and riding and seeing nothing but wilderness. Now, personally, I like that. I dig that. So my point in this is, if you've never, look, if you've always lived in the city your whole life, you know, we just call up my buddy Steve, an EMT and a, and a, and a, a nurse, and he'll come with his ambulance, and he'll come check you out. You'll be there in about five to seven minutes. You'll get the latest advanced medical care ever in the world. But you know what? If you're not where my buddy Steve is an EMT and a nurse and a fireman, newsflash. You ain't just dialing 911 and folks are going to be out there in 10 seconds. It's not going to happen. You're out in the wilderness, folks. That's where he was. Well, what was what was a, uh, I want to know, what was a, uh, 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 someone so important such as Justice Antonin Scalia and at 79 years old so far from his doctors? And wouldn't he have had his doctors with him? And wouldn't he have had you know, a security detail, and why would it be so far from a hospital and all this stuff? That doesn't, that's not right. Come on, the man lived his life. He was very fiercely independent. Let's not be silly here. Not everybody lives 10 feet from the grocery store and 10 feet from the hospital. That's not reality for a lot of people. This man was an independent thinker. He was an adventurer. He loved to hunt. He loved to be out. He got invited to this ranch. He said, hey, I'm got one. 
I love that. And you say, well, how come there wasn't a helicopter there? Um, you know, just all this stuff. Thank you. My my buddy has just posted his father went from body surfing in the Outer Banks to passing away in his sleep one week later. This stuff happens, folks. The man was 79 years old, almost 80. Anyway, we're going to tackle some of the other stuff. Um, so so then Poindexter contacted federal authorities, and, and you say, well, why didn't he call them woman? Because they don't have 911. They're almost in Mexico. It's it's wilderness. They don't. You who are you going to call? Who's going to come? They're hours away. Amen, Craig. Nobody gets out of here alive. The man wanted to live. There's more to living than just breathing in and out. Called all the federal authorities because he said, "Hey, this is a Supreme Court justice. I got to call somebody." So he called a bunch of places. They were closed. They're closed on the weekend. People are making a big deal out of this. Well, how can this be? Why wouldn't there be a whole big swarm of, uh, you know, federal agents and people securing the scene and and all of these things? That's not how it works. There's this. I'm not going to quote them because they'll sue me. I'm not going to say who they are, but I'm going to quote their article. Here's their clickbait uh, headline. And as I told you as at the open, I hate clickbait. That's why I stopped writing for that blog. I write blogs, my own blog at theninjapastor.com. Go take a look. By the way, I know who the person that called in. I know who he is. And he knows who he is, and he knows who, I know who he is. He'll never have the nerve to confront me in person because he's a wuss. But here's the headline from this particular thing. Justice Scalia dies at ranch resort owned by Democrat Party donor and Obama award winner. Woo! Let me click on this. Oh, oh, let me click on it. Quick, quick, quick. Let me click on this. Oh, my goodness. And the article goes on to say, coincidence? That will be for you, the readers, to decide. The photo below is Barack Obama shaking hands with a man by the name of John Poindexter, a Texas millionaire businessman, also noted for being a donor to the Democrat Party, and who also received an award from Barack Obama related to his military service in Vietnam. Poindexter is the owner of the very Cibolo, of the very chic Cibolo Creek Ranch. Uh, you know, it, this this article is stupid. I copied it word for word. It's just dumb. It's dumb how it's laid out. It's it's stupid. Anyway, they're, they're, they're hyping this up. President Barack Obama honored Poindexter and his Vietnam War unit with the Presidential Unit Citation, the nation's highest award for unit valor in a, a ceremony last October. Well, here's what you need to know about that. Well, this is, let me read what this stupid, stupid thing says. It has been longstanding policy for the Obama administration to grant presidential awards to those who are among the president's most prized political donors. Uh, yeah, let me just, let me just tackle some reality here. First of all, it's, it's policy of every president to have influential people to the White House. It's policy of every single one. Now, let me also say, when you're worth hundreds, if not a billion dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars, and you're a guy like John Poindexter, guess what? You're going to give at one point or another to all kinds of different, and it may not be 
what you think. Listen, I know uh, Zell Miller. You guys know who Zell Miller is? He's retired from politics now. But Zell Miller, I would have voted for Zell Miller, and he's a Democrat. Great guy. Google him. Zell Miller, amazing man. And he may have made one donation to some Democrat at whatever level, and now all of a sudden he's he's a big uh, he's a big donor. I don't know how much he gave to the president. I don't know anything about that, but I know this: it's very normal. Uh, Poindexter and his unit that he was in the Vietnam War, the unit he led, they received the presidential unit citation because the, you know this was a big deal. What he did, I mean, he he and this unit did an amazing thing. I read the read the citation. It's and then I researched the whole deal. You just you look. You need to understand. You just need to understand some things. Stuff doesn't always the way you think it does. You see, in in when we're living in this world the way we live, a lot of times we can get um, we can develop a belief that how we live is how it is. Are you are you getting what I'm saying here? How we live is how it is, and that's not always the case. In fact, it's usually not the case. A lot more stuff, you know, involved. There's, there's a lot more stuff. So, so Mr. Poindexter and his unit, they did not receive because it wasn't just John Poindexter that got this award. His whole unit did. And he even said, "Hey, if you're going to give it to me, give it to everybody." It's a unit citation. Got to give it to everybody. So he gets called to the White House. He get, they get this award. It's a big deal. You, you get me now? Sometimes people aren't properly rewarded. There's a whole lot of people in Vietnam that that deserved greater awards. Look, I, I have a buddy, thank you, Jerry, who is as conservative as you can get, a very successful businessman with a top in the country, who got invited to the White House by Obama, a bunch of pictures with him, uh, he got a big National Chamber of Commerce award. I mean, it's a big deal. There's pictures of him shaking his hand. Well, he's not an Obama fan. He's not an Obama supporter. But look, you see that picture? Boom. Look at what, um, what was it? Uh, the guy from Venezuela. He's dead now. Hated that guy. You know, he meets with he meets with Bush, President Bush, when President Bush was 43 was in and he walks up to him and he hands him a book and then turns and somebody clicks a picture. Spreads all over the Internet. Oh, they're buddy buddies. Come on, people. Don't be stupid. There's nothing worse than being stupid. We can do better than that. So anyway, the article goes on. This. I'm just making this point. Remember what I said about this guy. President of his class at Officers Candidate School, Airborne Ranger. He was a captain and troop commander. Top-notch, top-notch guy. Really, truly top-notch guy. He got he 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 buzzsawed through. He graduated with honors from the University of Arkansas in two years and eight months. He went through NYU's MBA program in nine months. 
Then he got a Ph.D. in economics and finance while he was working full-time as an investment banker. Oh, and by the way, in between degrees, he volunteered for the Army. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, there you go. Craig, my buddy Craig just pointed out, here's another thing. Putin and Obama. You see pictures? Oh, it's great. You know, you're right, Jerry. You can't fix stupid. So don't be stupid. Nothing worse than being dumb. This is a solid guy here. You know, I can't speak to his politics. I know I've, I, when I did my research on him, I found out that he had donated a whole bunch of money to Republicans. That he was friends with George Bush. Oh, wait, another thing we can make George Bush's fault. Antonin Scalia dies, and it's George Bush's fault. George Bush was in Texas. Antonin Scalia died in Texas. You decide. Anyway, the article of this, I'm not going to name who they are, by the way. By the way, Putin hates Obama. I'd love to see Putin take on Obama. Obama, you know, come on. That's apples and aardvarks right there. Anyway, back to the article. I'm not going to go. I, I normally want to attribute the article, but they'll sue me because I'm I'm shredding them. But whatever. It was Poindexter who reportedly was among those who initially discovered the justice's body, and who then coordinated with local officials to have Justice Scalia declared dead via a phone conversation with the area medical examiner, but without an actual medical examination of the body. Now let me say this. Oh yeah, that's right. I am a racist too. Thank you, Steve, for that reminder. I just I can't win. I'm I'm all those things. I'm everything bad in the world. So you say, how do they do a how do you declare somebody dead over the phone with an area medical examiner? Now, the area area medical examiner was hours away. Hours away. Do you know how long it takes to drive thirty thousand acres? Let alone the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of other acres? Y'all get that? It's far. It's a fur piece. Steve, who's a who's a uh, an, an ER nurse and trauma nurse and all that stuff, he does all those things. He reminds me. It happens all the time. We call coroner cases over the phone without a medical examiner. Yep, he's dead. That's how you do out in Texas, in the wilderness of Texas. Standard of care, folks. Look, the man was obviously dead. So this clickbait, stupid, stupid bovine feces article, clickbait, but without an actual media examination of the body, or medical examination of the body, happens all the time. But he was a Supreme Court justice. Newsflash, he was also almost 80 years old. Anyway, I don't want to go too far with it. Mr. Poindexter, this is back to the article. Mr. Poindexter was also said to be the primary point man between the ranch location and federal authorities who were notably slow to arrive on scene. To date, there is said to have been no request for an autopsy, even though initial reports suggest the Supreme Court justice was found with a pillow over his head. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. There you go. My friend Susan uh, has has posed the question, what about medical helicopters? Um, first of all, I get what you're saying, but the reality of it is, in that area, it ain't happening. 
It is it is simply not happening. The man was obviously I don't I want to be real clear but not, you know, uh disrespectful. He was obviously dead. He had been dead for hours. So what happens is they contact the police, the police do their thing, then they arrange transport to the nearest hospital for autopsy if the family so chooses. The family at the time of death holds the power of attorney. Look, the state can say all they want, but if if there's not bullet holes, there's not an allegation of a crime or something like that, the family says, look, we don't want them autopsied. You say, well, there's some, somebody must have got to them. Again, 79 years old, almost 80, a month away from being 80. Well, he died, according to the article. He had a pillow over his head, and he had died alone in his room without any apparent witnesses. Scalia was described as having been in good spirits in the hours prior to his death. Wow, that's really great, article writer, clickbait generator. Wow. Boy, make you, make you in charge of the White House press releases. Without any apparent, you know what? If there had been an apparent witness, guess what? Guess what? It would have been. Uh, and and he was found by. Uh, he was found. There was people in the room that didn't belong. And he and 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 and, and he was found. Yeah, well, there was somebody in there. <laughs> my buddy Steve. It was the bed sheets, and they conspired with the pillow. Not to make light, but come on, people. I'm saying this is a, the piss, this whole sleeping with a pillow over your head. You know what I do? I sleep sometimes with a pillow over my head to darken the room, completely dark, uh, to make it totally silent, because I have a real struggle. Since my car crash, I have a real hard time sleeping. So sometimes, you know... I put the pillow over my head. Who knows? Craig says the pillows were stacked. Maybe the pillows were stacked in the center of the bed. Like if he was reading, perhaps he slid and the top pillow simply covered his head. Who knows? Either that or Colonel Mustard in the bedroom with the candlestick, as Steve says. So that's the thing. I mean, look, you know, look, folks, conspiracy theorists, we, it's not a conspiracy if it actually happened, but this is not wildly out of the realm of possibility. He's just a month away from being 80. So anyway, let me let me go on to cite this other thing. I will tell you who wrote this other part of the article, but that's the end of the one that I'm not going to cite. Ultimately, they became available and handled it superbly. They're talking about helicopters. So this is to answer um, my friend Susan, you know, why the helicopter thing. It took hours to secure that. Ultimately, they became available and handled it superbly. This is... This is referring to uh, the services that they called, the federal authorities and otherwise. So they, you know, they did that. They came in. They said they told him to secure the ranch, which he did until this morning. Scalia was just the latest newsworthy newsworthy guest to visit the celebrity hideaway that covers 30,000 acres near the Chinati Mountains. Mick Jagger, Julia Roberts, and Tommy Lee Jones have also partaken of its scenic vistas and luxury accommodations. Established 1857 by Milton Favor, known as the first Texas cattle baron west of the Picos, the ranch retains the 19th century constructions, including the Al Fortin di Cibolo, a primitive fort designed to protect settlers from the Apaches. Now, 
Let me let me say this. A really smart guy I happen to be related to. Love the dude. Um, <laughs> my friend says eighty sounds young. Man, I'm for that. I'm fifty years old. I wanna I wanna still be young and vibrant and trouble at eighty. Let me tell you. Let me say this. I have a relative who's a really nice guy, really smart guy, and, and but but he but there's a picture of Ted Cruz. You'll see what this has to do with it. There's a picture of Ted Cruz, uh, and he's interviewing Henry Kissinger, and he says, "Oh, Henry Kissinger's an NWO, and uh, you know all this stuff, and how could he ever sit down? You see, he's part of them. He's part of them." And then he shows this picture of Ted Cruz with two gay business owners, two gay business owners and and so and they made a donation to Ted Cruz. See that? He's 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 gay now. The guy is gay. He's he's gay sympathetic. He's a shill. He's just this come on. They're constituents, they're people who's who because they're gay doesn't mean they don't believe in what Ted Cruz stands for. It's unfair to lock because they're gay, all of a sudden they can't support conservatives. I know lots of gay conservatives. So that picture in and of itself is stupid. So when you look at this guy, Poindexter, and you call him the owner of this ranch, oh, he's he's a big Obama supporter. He got paid off by getting an award. You think a, a guy worth that much money with that kind of accomplishment, academic and business accomplishment, you think he's waiting around for a shill of a president to give him an award? Military award, especially you got to be kidding me, man. By the way, he's the guy. He one of his companies that he owns that build. They build. Uh, they from ground up. They build the the uh, trucks that UPS. They build more than this, but one of the big things they do is the UPS trucks. Yeah, kind of cool. You know the brown trucks. What can they do at this ranch? There's a lot of things. There's a meal package. Uh, it's like 5:45 to 5:65 a night for two people, and the meal package and all that stuff, and the ranch tour—that's all included. You might say you might say that it's, um, you know, ranch tour. It's 30,000 acres of wilderness, folks. How often do you get to do that? I'd do that. I'd, I'd hope that it would last all day long. Other activities include hiking, horseback riding, bird watching, and ATV tours. Scalia, who was scheduled to return to Washington on Sunday, had little time to avail himself of the ranch's offerings. Poindexter said that he had only met Scalia once before, briefly, in Washington. Scalia came to the ranch because he was friends with another guest, and Poindexter said he knew the other guests as well. All the guests were friends of mine. I paid for all of them. There were no politics, no jurisprudence in the slightest, he said. This was, holy moly, I've got 30 minutes left. Man, I told you I didn't know what I was going to talk about. This was strictly a group of friends that the judge decided to join. He was coming with his son who had to drop out of the trip for reasons that Poindexter didn't know. Poindexter goes on to say, it was an honor to have him. He was widely admired. There were no speeches. He wasn't asked any hard questions. It was all about the outdoors and Texas and what it's like to be a Supreme Court justice. Scalia's personal financial disclosures show no previous trips to the ranch. The disclosures posted on OpenSecrets.org show that the justice made several trips to Texas since 2005 to speak at colleges and universities, including St. Mary's University in 2008. Poindexter, age 71, said Scalia's sudden death was both a personal tragedy for those at the ranch and for the nation. Now, I want you to listen closely to this verbatim quote. 
All of us here saw him as a stalwart defender of our way of life in Texas, in a real sense, he said. It's a great loss. Having made that statement, if it was his time to go, he was surrounded by friends. In a fairly nice setting, with a full tummy, too. He said he was very happy to be invited, so it could have been in worse circumstances, he said. It caused all of us here to stop and think about life, how precious it is, and how it is so unexpectedly lost. You need to understand, and this is very, very important. You need to understand something that's very, very important for you to get. I want you to hear the beginning of that statement. All of us here saw him as a stalwart defender of our way of life in Texas. Now, what is their way of life in Texas? Guns, freedom of movement, liberty. Texas, they're fiercely independent people. Fiercely independent people. Very focused on states' rights. Very focused on, you know, the constitution of both the state of Texas. I mean, folks, it's it's really, really important for you to understand that this is this is a real deal. This is this is a guy who understands liberty and freedom. All that said to say this, I, I wanna I just want you to understand this. The article goes on to say the body was driven from Marfa, uh, which is where this was, the name of the little little I don't even know what you call it there, around two thirty AM at Sunset Funeral Homes, according to spokesman Chris Luan. Luan said the funeral home was chosen by the family of the justice and at the advice of a family friend. The El Paso County Medical Examiner's Office said they had received any information regarding the possibility of performing an autopsy. Now, this was before it came out that the family vigorously, this is the family of Justice Antonin Scalia, vigorously requested that no autopsy be conducted. By the way, staff writer David Saleh Rolf, RAUF, contributed to that report. Now, I need you to understand something. The family has every right to do that. You say, but, but he's a Supreme Court justice. But you know what? The country doesn't own him. You say, but he died under suspicious circumstances. No, he didn't. Well, but he went to bed suddenly at 9 p.m. Who goes to bed at 9 p.m.? Someone that's one month away from being 80 and has terrible health problems. He had terrible health. Uh, there's memes circulating and talking about, well, He's he's a well. How why is some guy he's in great health, normal health. He's enjoying this ranch, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden he's he's then all of a sudden he's found dead. And nobody nobody wants to have an auto. Oh, you this is this is suspicious. His face covered by a pillow. What? Let me just, can I ask you something? Can I please ask you something? Not to be obvious here. Not to be obvious here. But if you think somebody killed the dude by putting a pillow over his face, can I just, can I just put this out to you? Can I just, come on, somebody stand up and stomp. 
Would they leave the pillow over the man's face? No. They would move the pillow. By the way, Hillary Clinton, according to many reports, Hillary Clinton, and, I, and, I'll, and I'm just going to point this out to you. My buddy Jerry reminds me of this. Hey, Hillary Clinton's in terrible health, too. But Hillary, the world losing Hillary is no, no loss. I mean, she's an evil human being, subhuman. You know, look, you, you need to understand some very basic facts. And this is, this is intensely important. Why am I harping on it? Because you've got to understand these things. Steve, who is an ER, uh, he's an emergency trauma nurse. He's a fireman, EMT. He, you know, he states, I've responded to scenes that look like legit murder scenes that were simply happenstance. People face down in a puddle of blood that just fell out of the tub. Why'd they fall out of the tub? Because they had a heart attack and they were dead before they hit the floor. I was a police officer. By the way, I was in Newcastle County, the caller. He knows who I am. I know who he is. Know where he lives, know where he works, all that stuff. Um, you know, he's he's a very bitter human being. Uh, and he knew where I went to school. He knows my grades. He knows all that stuff. Come on. Newcastle County Police, where I was a police officer. Many occasions where you arrive and there's a body. There's a body and they died by themselves. I handled a, I handled a death with my buddy uh, Andy, a fellow Academy mate. We arrive on scene. We, we go to try the door, and, and this, the uh, chain on the inside of the door is in an elderly you know, community. The chain is on. We go, uh-oh. So we call the sergeant, and we say, it was a check on the welfare. We go to check on the welfare of this elderly lady, and we say, you know, Sarge, we've got a situation here. The chain on, is on the inside of the door. Do we have permission to take the door to check on the welfare? Yes. We take the door. We go in. You could tell immediately there was death in this place. Uh, we walk into the bedroom. You know, we're we're being careful, tactical, all that stuff. We go into the bedroom, and there's pills spilled across the end table with a bottle there, a whole bunch of pills spilled, and an obviously dead lady. Oh, man. It's... My goodness. Something must have happened here. No, we didn't immediately assume that. We looked at the facts, on, fair on their face, the facts. And we looked at woman in very, very poor health. These pills that she, that she was uh, prescribed for her, well, why were they spilled? Why were they all over the place? Was she, was she forced to take them? There were still some pills in her mouth. She was having a heart attack. She woke in the middle of the night. She was having a heart attack. She reached over. She, she you know, got the, the, the lid off, and she was shaking, and she was in the middle of a heart attack. She got a pill to her mouth, but she died before she could swallow it. It was stuck in her mouth. Now, of course, they did an autopsy, and that's what they confirmed. I'm saying that it, it's not always cut and dried. It, it's not always like you think it is. It is, it is odd. Now, in this case, in this case, I want to be clear here. In this case, I think that it should be investigated. I think that, you know, but we don't own Antonin Scalia's body, so we can't demand that he get an autopsy. An almost 80-year-old man, one month from being 80 years old, in very, very poor health. People are reporting these memes going around uh, social media that, you know, an otherwise very healthy man, one minute laughing it up, next minute, you know, goes to bed at 9 p.m., an 80-year-old guy going to bed at 9 p.m. Wow, what a shocker. 
Trust me, if I thought I could sleep at 9 p.m., I'd go to bed at 9 p.m. I'm 50, you know? Come on. Don't let your mind run away. Now, when there's something to see, see it. I I would have hoped that they would have done a... um, I would have hoped that they would have done a, a uh, an autopsy. And there's all these memes circulating. Uh, it's Florida law that, that they do an autopsy on any unattended death. That's simply a lie. It's simply a lie. If there's no reason to believe there was any, and I'll, I'll tell you this, I quoted that initially. And then I got to thinking, you know, I should, I should probably look that up. I should probably give that a gander. Turns out that's not true. It's not Texas state law that if you're unattended at your death, you get an autopsy. Do you know how many people die unattended? Their bodies are found. There's no suspicious circumstances. It's just found. Clickbait. It's clickbait. The debates are clickbait, and this is clickbait. Do I think something happened? Could there have been something happened? Sure. There could have been. Do I think there was? No. No. Why wasn't he surrounded by his his uh, security detail? Because he didn't have a security detail. He has security. He has guys that travel with him, but they're from the U.S. Marshal's office. Uh, they don't they don't sleep with the guy. Autopsies are the coroner's discretion. Period. Based on what explained over the phone. Well, contact the family. The family says. No, we do not want an autopsy done. Then you say, well, what would be their opposition to it? Michael Brown, the thug punk from Ferguson, that now there's a memorial to, and the president sends three of his top people uh, from the White House to go to his memorial and, and eulogize this criminal, this thug. Meanwhile, uh, the, the police officer who has now been found did everything right. He's out of a job. Darren Wilson, got no job. They do three autopsies on Michael Brown's body. By the third autopsy, the body was so disturbed. What are you going to find on a third autopsy? How many times are you going to cut this body open? Not to be gross, but they take the organs out. They disconnect them. They take them out. They examine them. They cut them open. They look at them. If they've already been cut open twice, what the heck? Come on, people. Although, for whatever reason, you know, because it didn't fit the, the, the perpetually and professionally aggrieved, the race baiters, the, the autopsies proved, they proved that he didn't have his hands up. Hands up, don't shoot. They proved that he wasn't running away, far away, when he got shot with his hands up. He was right on top of the guy. That make front page? No. That get on... The big news networks? No, it didn't. And that's sickening to me. And it ought to be sickening to you. Look, the family has a right to say no autopsy. Now, let me also say, the man is a vaunted attorney and justice of the Supreme freaking Court from 1986. Not to put things too plainly, but do you think maybe the guy had some... um, some some directives, 
some health care directives? Do you think maybe you think maybe he maybe he might have had a few things indicating what he wanted done in the event of his death? Do you think? You think that it might have been something important? I do. I think that if he specified to his family in a health care directive, um, a, a durable power of attorney, health care power of attorney, hey, look, here's the deal. I don't want this done unless there's some indication of foul play. I don't want an autopsy. You know what else? Autopsies are expensive. Autopsies are expensive. Not to be gross, but if you don't get a body on ice pretty quickly, guess what else happens? bunch of gross stuff. A bunch of gases build up in the body as the body degrades and decomposes. Your ability to have a successful, proof-positive autopsy declines over time off of ice. All I'm trying to say to you here is that I want you to open your mind and recognize that I'm the last guy in the world who's going to give the government a pass. I'm, I'm going to always hold the government's feet to the fire. I don't care who is in office. Look, Congress, we have, we have a majority, majority something, in Congress, and I'm holding that majority, Congress, their feet to the fire way more than I ever did with the, with the left. And that's how it should be. I'm the last guy in the world who's going to give, uh, air quotes, the establishment a pass. I'm the last guy in this world that's going to not think really harshly about some things. Stuff happens. And I say immediately, mm-mm, no. Now, when Extortion 17 was, was shot down, I, I said immediately. I, I remember where I was sitting when that happened. I remember exactly where I was, what I was doing. And I'm telling you right now, I knew right away, no, this is wrong. They were shot down. They were shot down, and they were set up, and that's that. I knew when Benghazi happened. I knew because I knew one of the guys killed. And I'm telling you, I knew for a fact, first of all, that he wouldn't be an MC security. That's not who he was. I knew it for a fact firsthand. So when they announced that he was embassy security, that was a lie. He was a CIA contractor and nothing less. And I knew if that's a lie, everything else is a lie. The video, please. That poor schmuck with the video, where is that guy now? We know that Hillary Clinton lied about that. It's absolutely untrue. We can prove it. She should be in jail just for that. So what I'm saying to you is you have to look at the totality of the circumstances. And you have to say, hey, you know what? This does sound sketchy. It does. But let's look at the total. He's 30,000. People say, I just got a message here. Well, then why, Dr. Sean, was he on a 30,000-acre ranch with bad health and almost 80 years old? Why? Why would he be there? Why would he be so far from his doctors? You know why? Because the man lived life. He was a pistol. This dude was a pistol. He's a guy I would have loved to have hung out with. I know people that know him. I know people that have worked for him. And I'm telling you, they they have nothing but beautiful things to say about this man. A devout Catholic. He was valedictorian. 
He graduated summa cum laude with a bachelor's from Georgetown University with a degree in history in 1957. After graduation, he went on to study at Harvard Law School. During his final year, he met his wife of 48 years, Maureen McCarthy, an undergraduate at Radcliffe College. The marriage flourished with nine children and 28 grandchildren. Hello. And you know, uh, my my uh, Ohio peeps, his legal career began in Cleveland, Ohio, at Jones Day, Cockley, and Rivas. Highly regarded. He was, uh, they, they said, look, you know, we want to make you partner. But in 1967, just like his father, he wanted to teach law. So moved his family to the University of Virginia Law School, Charlotte's Virginia, Charlottesville, Virginia, and, and he began teaching. Seventy-two, he entered public service when President Richard Nixon appointed him general counsel for the Office of Telecommunications Policy, and he helped formulate the regulations for cable television. After Watergate in 1974, Scalia was appointed to the Assistant Attorney General, uh, appointed Assistant Attorney General for the Office of Legal Counsel. He testified before Congress, uh, congressional committees on behalf of the Ford administration over executive privilege. Talking about that. He later argued his first and only case before the U.S. Supreme Court in Alfred Dunnell of London Incorporated versus Republic of Cuba on behalf of the U.S. government. He won the case. One case. He went on uh, very briefly at the Conservative American Enterprise Institute, and then he had a teaching post at the University of Chicago Law School. Uh, Scalia accepted an appointment from President Ronald Reagan on the Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia in 82. And over the next four years, he built a conservative record. He won high praise in legal circles. For his powerful and witty writing, often critical of the United States Supreme Court, he was bound to follow as a lower court judge. Because he said what he believed, the Reagan administration said, hmm, let's put this guy on the short list for a Supreme Court nomination. And in 1986, he was confirmed. By the way, one of his closest friends on the court, you want to talk about, you know, conservatives never get, they never, ever get credit for being open-minded and fair and inclusive and all these things. You never get that. But one of his closest friends on the court, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, apples and aardvarks, comparing the two of them, is, but he was close friends with her. Scalia abhorred judicial activism. He hated it. He hated it. And he stood against it. So a bunch of stuff I, I'm not going to get time to because I just rambled on. But I, I want to give you some real quick quotes. Um, what a guy. There's, if you Google his quotes, I mean, some of them aren't real. You need to make sure that you check the sources because people are making up what he said. Uh, and you want to get them in context. You, don't, you want to know where that quote came from. But in his dissenting opinion, this is King versus Burwell, in his dissenting opinion on the Obamacare case, Scalia assessed one element of the majority's opinion to be pure applesauce. Justice Stephen Breyer used a similar, similar phrase in 2007 in his dissenting view, sheer applesauce. The court claims that the act must equate federal and state establishment of exchanges when it defines a qualified individual as someone who, among other things, lives in a state that established the exchange. Scalia wrote, otherwise, the court says, there would be no qualified individuals on federal exchanges, contradicting, for example, the provision requiring every exchange to take the interest of qualified individuals into account when selecting health plans. Pure applesauce. Here's another one, jiggery-pokery, King versus Burwell, same case. Scalia argued that the interpretation of such in a particular case in the Obamacare legislation falsely claims that the federal and state exchanges 
are the same. The court's argument, this is what he says, the court's argument also overlooks the rudimentary principle that a specific provision governs a general one. Even if it were true that the term such exchange implies that the federal and state exchanges are the same in general, the term established by the state differ when it comes to tax credits in particular, he said. The court's next bit of interpretive jiggery-pokery involves other parts of the act that purportedly suppose, presuppose the availability of tax credits on both federal and state exchanges. SCOTUS care. This is King versus Burwell. Same case. Scalia maintained, now, you want to you talk about why he would be hated by Obama? Here's a reason. He was very against it. Obamacare, very against it. Scalia maintained that when Congress passed Obamacare, it passed a bill that mandated that tax credits only be available on an exchange established by the Kate, this state. This court, however, concludes that the limitation would prevent the rest of the act from working as well as it hoped. So it rewrites the law to make tax credits available everywhere. We should start calling this law SCOTUS care for Supreme Court of the United States care. Could you define the market, he asked. This is uh, arguing Obamacare. Everybody has to buy food sooner or later, so you define the market as food. Therefore, everybody is in the market. Therefore, you can people buy broccoli. Broccoli. Verily insisted that the food market was quite different. Now, here's one where he said the Constitution is dead, speaking at Southern Methodist University. The Constitution is not a living document, he told the SMU crowd in 2013. It is dead, 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 Scalia added. The judge who always likes the results he reaches is a bad judge. Then, in talking, he was speaking at a hotel room, a hotel ballroom in Montana in August of 2013. He, he was saying, Don't invent minorities. Scalia charts that the high court was making congressional decisions such as inventing new classes of minorities, referencing the Supreme Court's decision on gay marriage and the benefits for same-sex couples. Scalia said the court's job is not to create exceptions outside the Constitution. It's not up to the courts to invent new minorities that get special protections, he said. You want to talk about this man's belief, speaking at a Knights of Columbus Council 969 uh, Bicentennial, believing in traditional Christianity is something else, Scalia said, referencing beliefs, beliefs such as God being born, the son of a virgin, and the concept of heaven and hell. God assumed from the beginning that the wise of the world would view Christians as fools, and he has not been disappointed, Scalia said. If I have brought any message today, it is this. Have the courage to have your wisdom regarded as stupidity, he added. Be fools for Christ and have the courage to suffer the contempt of the sophisticated world. I love this quote of his. First child is like a pancake. Scalia, the father of nine and grandfather of 36 at this point, likened a first child to a first pancake. In a big family, the first child is kind of like a first pancake. If it is not perfect, that's okay. There are a lot more coming along. Then um, I really um, I like this one. And I'll have to finish with this one because I'm out of time. Blacks belonging at slower schools. Now, this was quoted in Politico. So they took only a bit and piece of this. He was arguing Fisher v. the University of Texas. And it was a very, very critical affirmative action case where students, black students, who did not have the grades, did not have the um, acumen, I don't care that they were black. They just didn't have it. Look, I don't want a doctor working on me any color that couldn't get through school. I don't want that. I don't want somebody that's got to save my life who couldn't get through school. I don't want that. I'm sorry to say. 
in this case, was saying, hey, you've got to allow us into these schools. So in the affirmative action case, Scalia questioned whether it was actually beneficial for black people uh, if more black students were admitted to the university under affirmative action. Is this really good for black people? And he says this, there are those who contend that it does not benefit African-Americans to get them into the University of Texas, where they do not do well, as opposed to having them go to a less advanced school, a slower track school, where they'll do well. One of the briefs pointed out that most of the black students in this country don't come from schools like the University of Texas. They come from lesser schools where they do not feel that they're being pushed ahead in classes that are too fast for them. Folks, there's a book. I'm, first guy's name, the guy's, guy's first name is David. I can't remember what his last name is. A really great friend gave me this book, and I'm looking for it, and I can't see it. But, he, but, but in this book, this guy writes a book that he talks about how this super smart girl, she dreamt of going to uh, Princeton or some really big-name place, and she gets there. She was, like, super smart. She gets there, and she gets lost. She just gets lost. She doesn't do well. And then after a couple of years of bad grades and all this stuff, she goes back to a lesser school. This is a, 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 uh, a you know academic, academic term, goes to a lesser school. And she does great. And she became a rousing success because she just simply couldn't thrive in that environment. Folks, you can you can hate how that sounds. Yeah, I don't care. You can hate how that sounds. It, it's all right. You can. Totally, totally fine. But here's the thing. He was making a statement. There are those who who those who contend quoting people, that it does not benefit African Americans to get them into the University of Texas. You know who he was quoting? Black professors. Successful black people who have achieved, who have gone to schools that aren't as vaunted as the University of Texas. Princeton. SMU. He was quoting black people. Folks, you got to know the context. Little things don't mean a lot. They mean everything. Very important to know the rest of this story. Very important to know the whole truth. Nothing but the truth. So help you God. America lost a great man in losing Antonin Scalia. A truly great man. Somebody I would have absolutely loved to hang out with. Now the question is, will you elect someone who will nominate properly? And will you be willing to stand behind those who will stand against Barack Hussein Obama from nominating Antonin Scalia's replacement? You can bet it will be another Elena Kagan or Sotomayor. And we know now they weren't what they said they were. TheNinjaPastor.com. Go and listen to the sermon from yesterday. I think you're going to like it. God bless you. God bless America. Join us next time for The Collision of Faith and Politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor 
and follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and at www.drseangreener.com. In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining in this fight.